My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Tomorrow is the 30th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And uh, the Gospel is a key passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew, where the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had silenced uh, the Sadducees, and they tried to disconcert him. So they get together and just say, okay, we're going to try to see if we can catch him. And they put a question to him. Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Heart, soul, mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second resembles it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets also. So the the reading really shows, of course, the conviction that our Lord had about the exercise of love in our life, how we love. Love of God and love of others and, of course, love of ourselves, proper love of ourselves. He said that, well, this is a kind of a summary of all the law. It's the most important thing we can do a lot of things and be very successful but if we don't actually learn to exercise love in our life charity in some way we've really failed and uh, and so let's try to examine how this can be exercised in our life how it can be lived in the time that we live in now Pope Francis has spoken recently about solidarity during this time of crisis, during the time of the pandemic. And uh, it's a time, of course, when a lot of people are affected by the pandemic. We see, of course, many people testing positive, many people becoming sick, many people even dying from this. Maybe it's a matter of controversy exactly how many there are and what the figures are, but the fact is that the pandemic we know has affected really the entire world. And it has affected us too. And even if there are positive values around us, there are serious illnesses. And the Holy Father talks about one of the big illness, which is the illness of facing this with a spirit of individualism. This is an illness of greater proportions, individualism, just focusing in on myself and protecting myself. He said that if we don't come together, if we don't really see others as our neighbor, as people who really have a unique value in and of themselves, who deserve respect, who deserve understanding and closeness, no matter how much the health crisis is overcome, even if we don't have to wear masks anymore and there are no more infections, the wounds of this individualistic society will remain, he said. 
where everyone kind of stays anonymous and ends up be becoming the, the life ends up becoming kind of a battlefield between different selfish interests. And this is a greater wound that could affect the society than the, the very wound uh, that the, the COVID-19 has produced. Perhaps that's one of the reasons he came out now with a, a new encyclical called Fratelli Tutti, based on a letter from St. Francis of Assisi. And he focuses entirely on the parable of a good Samaritan, of how to take care of others like this good Samaritan, the Samaritan who was from a different tribe, you could say, and, um, and took care of this man who was wounded, who was beaten up, who was robbed on the side of the road. And he took the trouble of putting him on his donkey and, or on his, on his horse and, and bringing him uh, to Jericho. The key here is, of course, that he realized that he, he couldn't just go about his business on his own. He had to take care of this person. He felt that a responsibility for that person. And that responsibility was his expression of love of neighbor. It wasn't just, he wasn't just doing that out of justice. It was an expression of love of neighbor. St. Rosemarie said, be convinced that with justice alone, you will never solve the great problems of humanity. With justice alone, it's not enough. He said that the dignity of the person demands more. What does it demand? Charity. He said it, it which is like a generous, overflowing, a bubbling over of justice. Justice is to give each one his due. Justice is to give each one his due. You pay what you, you buy something, you pay for it. And that person is owed that amount. But charity bubbles over, it goes further. It implies doing well the work that we have been entrusted with, with a sense of responsibility, of course, but also with a spirit of service to really want to do our, our work well so that people be happy with our work and uh, it really means making the most of our abilities making the most of our abilities each one of you has received certain abilities certain qualities certain talents some of you have talents uh, to, to maybe to write, other people have talents to sing, other people have talents to play music, other people have talents just to, to prepare amazing meals, other people have talents to code, to do artistic things. Now, wouldn't it be sad that if you, you who, who have a talent, and yet it's somehow hidden there within you, and it was never developed maybe some of you have a talent to write to write could be writing a novel could be writing poetry imagine if you came to heaven you died you went to heaven and our Lord told you okay 
where's the best-selling novel? And you would say, what? What best-selling novel? Yeah, I gave you the talent to write. I was hoping you would be able to do a best-selling novel, a New York Times best-selling novel. And that, that could be on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, that's why I was able to... And, but it could be that you had the beginnings of talent, but you never developed it. Now, of course, this could be applied to anything, any quality. You know, I, was, I was watching recently a documentary on a famous, uh, a famous uh, uh, musical that was popular in the 60s, as you've probably heard it. It's called West Side Story. West Side Story. And uh, in the musical, which was played on Broadway, and then later they did a famous movie, which won Oscars and so forth, but in the, in the musical, there were very famous opera singers like uh, Jose Carreras and others, but it was directed by Leonard Bernstein, Mr. West Side Story. And this is a story about New York and uh, the Puerto Ricans and the Americans and the gangs. And it has moments of uh, gang violence and stuff, but, but it's got you know, beautiful, beautiful singing. Like you know, Maria, I just, made a, I just met a girl named Maria, the famous or when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. These famous, famous uh, songs that uh, this Broadway musical really made, made very, very famous. But of course, Leonard Bernstein was a real stickler. He was the director of the opera, and, and he knew every detail. I think he even wrote it himself. And uh, he really uh, pulled out all the values, all the talents of those singers, like Jose Carreras, who was a great uh, Spanish uh, tenor. And uh, if you look at the documentary, you can see that he's, they're practicing and he's, he's singing. It's, to me, it sounded amazing, but, but he said, no, no, that's not good. You've got to go one little octave, a tiny little bit higher. And he kept working on them until it was just a masterpiece in the, in the song. To us, it looks simple, but basically he, he pulled out the talent that was hidden within Jose Carreras and he became, he became one of the greatest tenors of all time. At that time, he was still younger. But uh, so God wants to pull out the, the, the tenor that is in you or the, the talents that is in you. And the reason we do that is out of charity, out of charity, out of love for God and love for others to really make the most of our abilities in the family, at school, all areas of social endeavor or human endeavor. And um, somehow we have to show closeness and warmth and affection even in times of social uh, distancing that this is imposed upon us. There was a line that the prelate of Opus Dei used recently in an article in a Spanish newspaper called La Vanguardia. A very interesting line that we can pray about. He said, we are called, he said, to live the imagination of charity to solve together the, the challenges that this world of ours puts to us. The imagination of charity. I like that phrase. He said, we're, to solve the, the together the challenges that the world puts to us, 
which we want to improve by following the footsteps of the one who gave us as an example of forgetting ourselves until giving our lives for others. Of course, our, our Lord gave his life for others. And this takes imagination, the imagination of charity. How can I be, how can I figure out at home, or at school, with my friends, just to live that charity more, somehow more fully? Think it out, think it through. How can you, when you come home, how can maybe you can do something, maybe you haven't been asked, but you can do a chore, you can, you can make the atmosphere more pleasant just by your smile, your kindness. You may have heard of that young girl, Alexa, or Alexia, who died, I believe it was in 1985, of uh, some form of uh, bone cancer. Uh, and uh, she, she, was, she would always light up a room. Everywhere she went, she lit up a room. She was smart, she was creative. Everybody really loved her. And, uh, and then she started to complain of pain in her arm and pain in her back. And uh, she couldn't move her arm properly. So they brought her to the hospital. They didn't I'd know, at first know what was going on. But and she was, I think she was at 14 or something like that. And she was quite young. And then they realized that she had uh, an advanced cancer in, in, uh, in her spine. And... Uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but immediately after having coming, or very soon after having coming into the hospital, she she became a paraplegic, so she couldn't move anymore. And uh, and it's at that point that she entered a real calvary of suffering. But even with the suffering that she had, she she remained uh, cheerful. She felt she felt she needed to console even the people that were coming to visit her. And uh, she used to talk about. Hugo, Hugo was her guardian angel, and her she would talk to her guardian angel, which she named Hugo, and he would protect her, and her mother encouraged her, and then one day she told her mother that she said, Hugo is gone, he's left me, he's, she go her mother said, what do you mean, you, guardian angel never leaves, she says, no no, he's gone, it's my time now, and uh, she intuited that she was going to die very soon. But she continued, of course, to offer her pain, her suffering, and it was, uh, she started to get these migraines as well. It was a, just an exceptional example of somebody uh, who really took suffering to a new level, uh, and yet, though she had that suffering, she was, um, you could say, she, could, she literally was able to light up a room and then, of course, she died, and, and uh, you know, there a great movement started of um, devotion to her, and uh, they started a process of beatification, and probably she'll be beatified pretty soon. And, and that's because she had the imagination of charity. She didn't live charity only when things were going well. She had the imagination of charity. And we can't expect things to go exactly as planned. Do I have an imagination of charity? When you come here, when you go home, when you're on the tr- on the on the on the TTC, you know, we see this in little children. They go out on excursion with their parents, 
and sometimes a little girl will, will find uh, uh, dandelions in the field and give them to her mother. Right? And of course, her mother finds it endearing. Of course, dandelions, I don't know, they don't last very long, they're not even that beautiful, but for, for a mother who has received them from uh, her child out of love, they, they look golden and beautiful because that exemplifies the imagination of charity. I mean, that's just the charity of a little child. But the imagination of charity, the way we talk, the way we listen, you must love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So your heart, your soul, your mind. Can I imagine it? Are your, are your discussions with others sometimes becoming a bit shrill or one-sided? Or is it possible that I find it difficult to listen with empathy and focus in on others and listen to what they're saying? We're seeing that in political debates. They're so heated, so angry, and it's like nobody's listening to anyone anymore. But if we pray, if you and I pray, well, maybe we can get a little bit less emotional, less shrill. We can learn to listen with calm. We can learn to listen and pay attention. We can look into the eyes, make contact, look into the eyes. You know, the eyes are the window of the soul. So you're kind of like looking into the soul. And uh, this is harder with a phone or, or texting or with Instagram or social media. Well, the prophet Ezekiel got a revelation from God that told him, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Is it possible that I have a bit of a heart of stone? Or you could actually say, is it possible that me, after so many years, uh, Lord, that you give me a new heart? What is this new heart that you're talking about, Lord? Well, a new heart. I will give you a new heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. What does that mean? Well, it's a new and vibrant ability to love. Not just what we like. We're not called to like. We're called to love. So if we have a heart of flesh, like our Lord talks about here, and clean water, cleansed from all the impurities of all our idols, that means we're fresh, we're vibrant, not stale, not parched, but filled with a kind of youthful dynamism, full of surprise and wonder. Maybe that can be expressed when somebody says something, Oh, that's so interesting what you said there. Oh, that's, wow. Youthful surprise and wonder. Or do I say, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We don't even connect with the person. The, the, person, the person is like, we don't even, you know, we're... It's, it's quite uh, 
it's quite uh, disconcerting to talk to somebody who just says, yeah, but they haven't really listened to what you said. You know, if you're telling somebody, you say, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go outside for a walk. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think I'm going to go to McDonald's after. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think after that, I'm going to go and murder about 20 people. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they haven't really been listening to you. And, of course, the Lord promises to give us a new heart. He gives that in prayer. He gives that in the sacraments, like reconciliation. Because an old heart tends to cynicism, it tends to sarcasm. Uh, it's unimpressed by somebody else's growth or the growth of the apostolate. It's unfazed. An old heart is unfazed by the overtures of God's love as seen in the Gospel or as seen in the Holy Mass or in the, in the Holy Eucharist. The Lord comes to us like a lover wanting to seduce us. Imagine getting a heart transplant. Your valves are not working. Imagine your valves are not working. Yeah, the blood is not flowing properly through and it's not really giving you energy. The rest of the body is all weak. And uh, it's not good. We need good, vibrant, oxygenated blood in our system. And that's the work of the heart. But if our heart is weak, well, I need a, a new heart. Because that's the center from which I love. And, uh, and so, well, we could ask that of our Lord. It's not the physical heart we're talking about naturally. Those are images. But it's, it's the deep desire really to love God. To channel our feelings, our desires... Maybe it's a question more of channeling our feelings or controlling our feelings, our emotions. Especially our worries. Our concerns about appearance. You know that um, that when you do the laundry, you put the laundry in the uh, washing machine. You put uh, detergent and you put a bit of whatever in, yeah, put it in, and it starts to clean, and fills up, the water goes in, and then it starts to clean. And then, after whatever, 20 minutes or whatever it is, you, it's all like tight around the edges of the barrel there. You take the now clean laundry, but it's still wet, so you gotta put it in the, you gotta put it in the dryer. And so, there you put on the dryer and the dryer starts to spin and the laundry bounces around inside it's bouncing it's bouncing actually the the, the dryer doesn't have a spin cycle as far as I know that's in the that's in the washing machine but uh, but maybe we're like that that dryer you know we're always bouncing things around in our head and uh, thoughts about the past thoughts about what so and so said our touchiness it all kind of drains us. We can be drained. 
And so we ask our Lord to give us a new heart, a true heart of flesh, that we can really love the others, and we can follow His command to love the Lord your God with your whole soul, your whole, your whole mind, your whole heart. And, uh, and that includes, of course, our emotions. Let's ask our Blessed Mother to give us this strength and this ability. It'll change the dynamics of our entire life and the dynamics of those who live with us. She'll intercede for us. Mother of fair love, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.